0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by monday.com, an amazing tool that allows you to work the way that work works for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is Chandler Bolt. He's the founder of Self Publishing School, a service that helps authors write, write, publish and promote a book and maybe even build a business. He's also the author of a couple of books, one called Published and Book Launch. So Chandler, thanks for joining me. John, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, so let's get the real big question that I'm sure you hear all the time. Do I really need a book? Who needs a book? How do, how do you answer that? I, and I know I'll just get it. I'll get the easy part out and then you can go into depth. Everyone needs a book. All right. So now go to the rest.
1: Yeah. Well, well, I think, I think a book is the best way to grow your impact and to grow your income in your business. And, and there's something about doing work once and then having that live forever, right? After you're off this earth. And so I call it leveraged impact. I talk about this a little bit in my TEDx talk is like the ability to do work once that impacts thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe millions. If you, if you really, I mean, you a home run with the book, but the the ability to do work once teeth, teach a methodology just like you've done and and then use that to kind of amplify that methodology and then for business owners bring in leads, sales and referrals from the book.
0: All right, so so if if people are starting to go, yeah, okay, I should have a book because everyone else does. So I should have one. Don't you kind of need to have something to say if you're going to make impact? Yes. Yeah, you do. <laughs> So so how do you get around the person that comes to you and says, I want a book about something? How do you how do you get them to start thinking about a book that's gonna make a difference? It might not yeah. sell them, but it's gonna make a difference.
1: Yeah. So I, I think about a couple of things. So I I have this process, I call it the idea finder. Really, it's just a, a handful of questions to come up with an idea. So one of the first questions I'll ask is almost everyone's a knowledge worker. We we have a job or run a business where we get paid for knowledge in our head to do a thing. And if I were to try to do what you do today there would be this gap between what I know on day one and what from years, maybe even decades of experience. And so in that gap usually is a really great book. Now it might also be for business owners. What's the broken record conversation that you have over and over and over again on sales calls or during the onboarding process. And yeah. the best way to stop talking about that thing is to write a book about it and then point it, point to that book. And when you do it, it'll make your conversion rates go up from a sales perspective or your onboarding time go down because you say, hey, here, read the book, yeah. <laughs> welcome to the family, uh, and this is going to help with onboarding. right? And so that, that's that's how I come up with the idea. In, in most cases is asked those first two questions
0: well and i think you're starting to hit too at there's lots of reasons to have a book but you definitely need to know what yours is you're like what's yes. your objective right yes. what you said having a, something that speeds up the process but basically the book is sort of an education or a training tool but there are definitely people that want to make money writing a book there are definitely yeah. people as you said that want to be able to have that as a calling card as a differentiator i think you have to get clear on those first don't you
1: Yeah, and Stephen Covey would say, begin with the end in mind, right? Right. And so that's actually where we start with a lot of people is why are you doing this? Is this a legacy book? Okay, great. (laughs) Don't worry about the lead sales referrals piece. But if you're intentionally writing it to grow your business, then you need to begin with that in mind and say, okay, now how do I make sure I'm writing topically on something that is, we talk about the, it's the four P's of a high converting offer, but really a best selling book as well. It's like, do the person, Pain and promise. So, who's the avatar? The person that's this. This is going to help. What's the pain that they have? That they know that they have, not just the- that they have, okay. right? So, so if I'm if I'm a physical therapist, uh, writing uh, helping people with back pain, but I know it's about their posture. Why well, don't write the book on posture? I write the book on back pain, and I teach the part on posture, right? So, what's the pain that they have that they know that they have? And then uh, what's the promise that I can make through this book? And the more closely aligned that p- the promise of the book is with the promise of my business, then the easier it is going to be to use the book to get lead sales and referrals.
0: So so let's talk about it. I get to ask this question all the time. I'm I'm certain you get asked it a lot more than me. What's the differences, advantages, pros, cons to the, the the self-publishing route, which obviously is a big part of what you teach, versus the route that maybe some people are more familiar with the, the the book publisher and you know sold in bookstores and kind of how people think about books. How do you how do you help people work through what they should do, shouldn't do, what's a better option for them?
1: Yeah. So um, disclaimer: I own self publishing school and selfpublishing.com. dot <laughs> So I, I'm natu- I'm going to have a natural bias in this conversation, but I, there's really three or four main differences, and then there's a decision that I think everyone has to make. And so the, the, it used to be that you had to have a publisher to get into bookstores and bookstores where you ha, how you sold books, right? Yep. And that's all there was to it. There was no other option, but now 70% of all books sold, are sold on Amazon and you don't have to have a publisher to publish on Amazon. Right? So that kind of knocks down the distribution piece. Then once you get past that, there's three main differences. There's royalty rates, how much it costs and the time that it takes to go through the process. So royalty rates, if you're traditionally published, You'll probably get eight to twelve percent that kind of a ballpark. If you're self-published, you might get twenty percent to seventy percent if we're talking ebook like Kindle. and and so that's a big difference, uh, especially if you're selling a lot of copies. And then there's the the, the the cost it actually takes. Obviously if you're traditionally publishing, they cover the cost of it for you. Then there's kind of hybrid or vanity publishing, which is you're paying someone to publish the book for you, often also giving up. A lot of royalties in the process, that might cost five, 10, 15, 30,000 bucks. And then there's self-publishing, which is you're obviously having to cover the cost yourself. So the main three costs, it's a long answer, but cover design, formatting, and editing, those are your main three costs. If you don't know what you're doing, spend five, 10, 15 grand. If, if you do what you're doing, it could be a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks, kind of in that range of the self-publishing route. So, uh, and then there's the time it takes, which is traditionally published minimum of two years, self-published, depends on how disciplined you are and, and how long that takes. I think 60, 70% of our students write and publish a book within a year. And so that's kind of the, the timing there. But so when you look at it, zoom out a little bit, for 99.9% of people, in my opinion, it makes more sense to self-publish. And unless you have a big platform and a big audience, and you can get a big advance that's the only time, in my opinion, it makes sense to traditionally publish is if you can get that big advance. And so I'll say the final two thoughts on this, which is, it's kind of like, you probably heard the saying, banks only give money to people who don't need it. It's Like yeah. publishers give publishing deals to people who don't need them, and who can sell the books themselves. And and then there's the other piece, which is, it's an, it's an overused analogy, but I truly feel like what we're doing in this space is kind of like the Uber to the to the taxi industry. It's like, Everyone knew that it was broken and it felt kind of slimy. And you're like, I don't really like this. I feel like I'm getting taken advantage of, but I can't really do anything about it. And that, that's the way I feel a lot of people feel about the traditional publishing industry right now. And yeah. there's definitely exceptions. There's great publishers, but that's what I feel like we're doing kind of in the industry.
0: Well, and, and there's a couple of variations I want to riff on there for a minute. I know some folks that have built a nice platform, have traditionally published books, and now felt like, hey, I I don't need a publisher. I know oh, Fifty thousand copies of my book. I want to keep all the rights. I want to, I want to have derivatives. I want to do all. The, I want to be able to yeah. customize it for an audience or something if I want to. And I, and I think I think we're seeing more and more of that. The 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 thing that the traditional publisher, as you said, the, the model was easy. If somebody said, "Here's a six figure advance, we'll go write your book," we'll do all the The model was pretty easy, I suppose, in that in that vein. But I think that I think a lot of of, of folks are are. Because there was cachet, I suppose, having a traditional publisher. Oh, for sure. It it feels like a lot of that's sort of gone away because there are people who could have a traditional publisher, could have an agent who are saying, I'm going to do it myself. And it it really kind of ushered in sort of a golden age of self-publishing, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it really has. And there's definitely still that status. Like I think a lot of people, it's probably 80% of their decision-making criteria. It's like... People are going to think I'm more legit if I have a traditional publisher. Therefore, I'm signing a contract with a traditional publisher. <laughs> right. Like throw all the stats out the window, right? But I, I think what really clicked for me and what it made sense is kind of uh, traditional publishers like are like venture capitalists. It's a venture capital business model. I'm yeah. going to make 10 investments. Nine of them are going to fail. One of them is going to be wildly successful. And that one will make up for all the rest, right? Mm-hmm. So, but when you think about that, through the lens of the author, in this case, the business owner, right? It's either my book failed and I've got, and that sucks. And I'm mad about that. Um, Or my book was wildly successful. And I feel like I got taken advantage of because I I made the publisher all this money. Right. And, and so, but it makes sense. Like uh, from a, as a business person, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But just knowing that if I go down that path, like this is, this is the kind of the trade-offs of what I'm looking at as, as the author in that
0: situation. So so let's talk about the writing part of it, because that's the part that I think a lot of people wring their hands over, even though it might not be the most important part. <laughs> but but uh, let's talk about that. What do you do when somebody comes to you and says, gosh, Chandler, I know I need a book, but I'm just not a good writer.
1: <laughs> I say I'm a C-level English student and college <laughs> dropout with ADHD. <laughs> so if I can, it, honestly, if I can do it, you yeah. can too. And sometimes they say, the best players make the worst coaches because they don't know what it's like to suck. I feel yeah. like in my instance, it's like I'm a good coach because I was a bad player in that sense of it didn't come naturally. So I like to, I, I think one of my superpowers is making complicated things simple. And so in this case, it's three steps. It's, I, this is a three-step writing process. So step number one, mind map everything you can think of on that topic. Step number two, turn that mind map into an outline. So start to group groups of ideas into groups, also known as sections. So you got maybe five groups of ideas on that mind map. Those are the five sections for your book. Drill down three chapters per section. Then you move into step three, which is to write the book. And the way that I do that or recommend doing it as well is start with chapter one, repeat the same process, 10 minutes mind mapping, everything on that chapter, 10 minutes turning that mind map into an outline for that chapter. And then 45 minutes to an hour and a half Writing the chapter, and then repeat that process chapter by chapter by chapter. Or uh, if if you speak better than you write, then do that. Right, do the same thing, but speak each chapter and repeat that process. So that's the that's the three steps to to get and to get a rough draft done. And it, you can go a whole lot faster than you think. And then I'd say one other tip that seems to be really helpful for people is write to one person. So a lot of people get in their head where they think, oh, I can't write. Well, John, if you were my target audience, and and I love the concept of an avatar, um, but really even better than that is thinking of one person that you actually know in your life and then write it. To mm-hmm. So if I was writing a book and and I was like, okay, John Jantz is the avatar, then I'm going to say, huh, I'll write a Dear John letter. Uh, <laughs> and Dear John, and then I'll write the chapter, and then and then I'll just remove that piece. And now I have a good book because so many people get in their head, they think, should I write should I be funny? Should I be serious? Should I include this story? Should I third person, first person, whatever else? Well, if I just ask the question, well, how would I say this to John, then I'm just, just, that's going to help me write something really great. And then there, guess what? There's a lot of other Johns out there that have similar wants, needs, pains, all those things. So. It makes the writing process easier and it makes for a better
0: book. All of my books have really been a distillation of a process or a system. And I, as I was doing that in order to get work done for clients, it dawned on me at some point that that was really the. I'm, I'm a very systems person. So I got to have seven steps to do this and everything's got a name. And, and that's basically became, that is a book. That's how you really design a book too. I yeah. think there are a lot of people out there that to get through the day, to get the result for a client – do systems yeah. whether they know it or not and and i think that sometimes it's just unpacking that
1: sops playbooks yeah. systems yeah. whatever you want to call them th- yeah. that is content and even just when i'm creating curriculum for like self-publishing school programs like you get to a point where you get better at systematizing things. It's like, well, hold up, this is just our playbook. We are just gonna publicly teach it <laughs> and we teach it internally. So if you already have those playbooks and documentation, that's a great point, John, then you already have a lot of the the, the shell of content or the outline for your book and you can work from that.
0: And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. There are a lot of tools out there to help companies get work done. We recently switched over to a tool called Monday, and we love it. At first I thought it was just a project management tool, but we use it in many ways to run our entire business, marketing, sales, task management, even recruiting, and certainly project management. But what I love, the real difference with this one is that it has all these automations built in. So, so much of what we need to get done can be automated in a way that we don't have to keep paying attention. If something gets checked off a list, it gets marked, moved over to done, somebody gets notified. The automations are awesome. Check it out yourself at ducttape.me forward slash Monday. Now you get a lot of publishers are very niche. At least the imprints are very niche, so all they see is business books. You get people writing memoirs and and fiction books and things. So yeah. So what what are some of the key differences between a business audience that you're writing for and and maybe a fiction writer or or somebody who's going to have a very much a consumer?
1: Yeah, there, there's there's a, a handful of differences, and there's, there's a lot of similarities. So yeah. a lot of the overarching principles are the same. I'd say probably 60 to 80% is the same. And then there's the nuance. And, and, but even sometimes within the nuances, are you writing a well-written timeless book? Is it solving yeah. a pain Well, on the fiction side of things, that pain is a genre gap, right? Yeah. Or that pain is a, is, is filling a need or the, the pain that you're really solving is entertainment at a big level. But then within that it's, is this solving a specific problem within a genre or, like I said, genre gaps, things like that. Then on the children's book side of things, is this a book that parents will love, will be proud to buy, and kids will love to read? That's really what you're going for. And so there's, there's nuance across all of it. And obviously, if you're going fiction or children's books or something where there's nothing beyond the book, then the goal is the book itself. And that changes how you approach it versus if I'm using the the book to grow the, grow my business, well then I'm gonna give the book away for free. I'm gonna use it for leads, sales, referrals. I'm gonna have a lead capture that leads to video or audio or something to where I'm giving people next steps and, and stuff like that. So in, in some ways that's a little bit more of a linear path. And then also nonfiction is just easier to write. <laughs> you can get away with being a worse writer. and I, And hopefully people won't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying write a bad book. You can get away with worse writing, but if the quality of your content is really, really good. Whereas fiction book, children's book, if your writing isn't good, it's just not going to work. It's like it's not like yeah. I've got these amazing steps that I'm teaching. Well,
0: and there's so much more you have to accomplish in a in a fiction book. You have to develop yes. characters. You have to do a lot of dialogue, and yeah. that's just harder to do if you don't have a lot of practice. It's like a lot of things oh, it's way harder. This way, we we have a joke that gets both sides
1: riled up. It's just like real authors write fiction, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and the fiction authors love it, and, and yeah, it's yeah. kind of a fun thing. But I'll, I'll say this, sorry, John, but one more thing on this is uh, fiction. It's it's like, are you a baseball guy? Oh yeah. Okay, so nonfiction is like the guy that has a high batting average or gets walked or gets on base. Yeah. Fiction is like the home run slugger where you're going to strike out a ton. But the highest the highest earning authors are all fictional, oh, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, but you're more likely to hit a base hit with a nonfiction book, So yeah. you're kind of swinging for the fences a little bit more and yeah. you're less likely to make a baseline of money. But if you hit, it really hits.
0: Good analogy. So uh, let's talk about, this is a really big topic, but uh, let's talk about editors and editing. Uh, a lot of people write books. I write books. I turn them into, theoretically, all of my books have been traditionally published. Theoretically, an editor looks at big picture looks at the structure i say theoretically because it doesn't seem to happen as much as you think (laughs) then the next step is once once that's done and they're like we need you to move this or rewrite this or some of the more like the big chunk stuff then it goes to somebody and finds basically all the mistakes that that are made of you know i use a lot of passive voice when i'm not feeling particularly confident or something like that so they take all that out and then it goes in my experience, it goes to a third person who then goes through it, really just looking for inconsistencies. You said this in chapter three, but in chapter eight, you said this, and a lot of people don't realize the rigor of that editing process. So, what's your advice for how somebody should approach editing or editors in a self-publishing world?
1: Yeah, first off, hire a good one. <laughs> And and pay money to get a good one. It's some of the best money you'll ever spend. There's You kind of alluded to this, John. There's, there's two types of editing. There's content editing and copy editing. And if you go into the editing community, there's really, they would say that there's like 50 bajillion different types. But I simplify it in those two buckets because it's like developmental editing, line editing, proofreading, like all these things. Really, it's content and copy. So am I am I mean, making recommendations of like, add this story here or move this, this needs some more work or, or am, or am I saying the grammar and punctuation, et cetera, I'm making like literal improvements, right? So those are the two buckets. And I would, you can hire one for each or one that does uh, both, but they're not going to do both at the same time. And, and hiring a good editor is, especially as a C-level English student, college dropout ADHD guy, like I, I, my editors make my book so much better. And sometimes yeah. I just communicate better verbally than I do in, in writing. And so I just can't seem to communicate it, but then the editor will come through, do a pass, rewrite it or re like restructure it. And then boom, oh man, that lands so much better. So hire a good one. And those are the two types.
0: Yeah. My last book, I editor, copy editor, reduced it by about 1800 words and mm, it was yeah. not making any editorial decisions. It was taking out parentheticals that didn't need to be there because I write like I speak so good. a lot of yeah. times. And well, that's on top of fixing all this, the obvious mistake stuff, they'll they they they'll do that. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. I My first book, I was like, what do you mean I didn't say that right? Now I'm like, <laughs> man, that is so much better. Thank you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> You make a good point, John. I, I like to write past my target word count which i think target word counts are kind of a mixed bag Write right enough that you say what you want to say no more no less right and, yeah. and so don't get fixated on a word count but I'll, I'll typically write past what i know it needs and then i'll tell the editor hey ruthlessly cut anything that does that isn't just amazing and so yeah. i love that because it, it it trims down and then i i'll know that what's the final product is a whole lot better
0: So I'm in September of this year putting out my seventh book and it is actually my shortest book. It is uh, 51,000 words. And uh, last year, two years ago, I put out the Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, which was my longest book at 104,000 words Mm -hmm. (laughs) a beat. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about, we say this to last, but a lot of authors that are friends of mine, the joke is is you write the book and and you're like, now the hard work starts. (laughs) Because it's like, now we got to sell that thing. So what are... What are, I know you work with a lot of people, help them do that aspect of it too. What are, what are your like five best tips for, Hey, here's, and and obviously that's unfair. Books have different audiences, different kind of stuff, but basically kind of five foundational things that, that authors need to be doing in launching a book.
1: Yeah. So your, your spoiler alert, your, the marketing starts before you start writing the book. So go back to those three or four, I call it the four P's. But with book part, it's kind of the fourth one is not as relevant. Person, pain, promise, price. Like the price is is kind of has a fixed range. But who's the person that you're writing it to? What's the pain that they have that they know that they have? And then the promise that you're making them? And then that segues into, is it a well-written, timeless book that solves a real pain? And then it's, is my title clear? Is my subtitle clear? And, And the litmus test for me is, does a prospect or potential reader instantly understand what the book's about and whether or not it's for them. And people try to get way too cute with their titles and catchy and all those things. You're not going for catchy, you're going for clear. So I'll take a clear title where if I just flash the book at you, you say, oh, I know what that's about, right? My most recent book published, The Proven Path from Blank Page to published Author. And it's like pretty clear what that book's about. And so the, the cover needs to grab attention. It needs. Uh, I like the title to be in the upper third. It's clear. So that's yeah. like kind of some of the X's and O's blocking, tackling kind of thing. Then I look at okay. I'm picking categories and keywords. Amazon is a search engine, right? And mm-hmm. I always say that Google is a search engine of browsers. Amazon is a search engine of buyers, right? So everyone's focused on SEO on the Google side of things. Meanwhile, people on Amazon are they're searching with their credit card on file, one click from a purchase. So I would yeah. rather get in front of those folks. And it's way easier to do so. So, what are people searching on Amazon? How do I make sure my book shows up in that? And then you get to the kind of the point of launch. I recommend having a launch team. So, pull together 5, 15, 50 people, maybe more. This could be friends, family members, customers, mm-hmm. colleagues. And there's two sides of the coin there's what they do and what they get. So, what they do is they read the book ahead of time and leave a review on day one.
0: Yeah.
1: So, now all of a sudden, you got 15, 50 reviews, right? They get to be, they obviously, they're part of the launch. Maybe they'll share the book, things like that. Most important thing, leaving a review. And then there's what they get in return, It was just a free digital copy of the book ahead of the launch. And I like to put their name in the digital copy. People love that. Yeah. And and so that's a launch team. So that's one of the biggest things that you can do to, to set yourself up for success with launch. I know I'm packing a lot into this answer. And then post-launch though, what I look at, there's kind of our whole bag of tricks but looking at Amazon ads, looking at promotions, doing podcast interviews, like a lot of those things to really amplify the long tail of the launch and not just have a, a good launch week. We always talk about it's a, the sports car versus the Toyota Camry. Most people treat their, their launch like a sports car. It's fast, it's sexy, but going in a flash. Whereas I'd rather have the Toyota Camry, which is we're setting this thing up to where it just keeps selling, keeps selling, keeps selling. Five years from now, it's still selling books. And so it's, that's what I think about is how do I set up my book that way?
0: So Chandler, thanks for, for stopping by the duct tape marketing podcast. Tell people how they can find out more about it. We didn't really um, get, get too deep into your model exactly, but tell people how they can find out more about what you're doing and, and learn about uh, your various programs.
1: Yeah. So self-publishing school, we're an online education company. We help people write and publish books in as little as 90 days. Think of it like a business accelerator, but for books, you can go to self-publishing school. We have, You know, tons of free resources, self-publishing school podcast, uh, all that stuff. There's kind of a pillar post on how to write a book that breaks down a lot of the core things. i give you a copy of my book for free, all that stuff. It's all in that one spot. And if you're thinking, hey, I'd love to maybe work with you guys, you can go to self-publishingschool.com forward slash apply. Book a call with the team. We're happy to chat through your book uh, and all that good stuff. And then, John, you got the book coming out in September, Ultimate Marketing Engine. We, we we can't let pass this moment without. I know we talked about your book on the self-publishing school podcast, and people should pre-order it right. and, and and buy it. It's gonna be awesome.
0: I like how you're thinking, but we'll we'll, we'll have links uh, to uh, what you shared uh, in the show notes as well, and and maybe I'll maybe I'll come back on self-publishing in in September, and and we'll talk about the the book then. We're happy to support you, man. I'm excited for the launch. All right. So that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And you know, we love those reviews and comments and just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the duct tape marketing system, our system to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right. Check out the duct tape marketing consultant, network you can find it at duct tape marketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that offer our system to your clients tab